0: chapter 9. We'll pick up there. In chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 13 through 21. If I'm titling this this part of it, we're looking at the angels at the river released. That would kind of be the subtitle of this this passage. So I'm just going to go back to verse 12. I want to read that. I'm going to read through 21, and then we'll we'll begin to to go through this. Uh, Verse 12, chapter 9, verse twelve. One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things." Then the sixth angel shouted, or or sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them, and thus I saw the horses in the vision. Uh, Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow, and the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed. By the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths, For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues do not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they, and they do not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. We pick up there when, when uh, verse 13, then the sixth angel shouted, and I heard a voice from the uh, four horns of the golden altar which is before God. Now this is the second of the three woes, and we saw that there. Um, we saw in verse 12, one woe was passed, and so now we come to the second woe. That was promised in chapter 8, verse 13, which says, And I looked, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. So we see that, and then we come to the second one here. And the voice comes from the altar of incense, Because the prayers of the saints have gone up to God asking him to avenge their blood. In Revelation 6, 9, we looked at this several weeks ago in verse uh, 6, 9 through 11 says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar, under this altar here, the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God. These are martyrs. These are ones who have died for the word of God and for their testimony, which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge your blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each one, and it was said of them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed." So these are the prayers that are coming from the altar in Revelation 8.3. Then another angel having a golden censer, censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer with it the prayers of all the saints... Upon the golden altar, altar which was before the Lord. So we see in six nine those that were speaking to God. They were pr- they were praying. They're talking to God right there, asking the Lord, "When are you going to avenge our death? When are you going to avenge us?" Here in 8.3, we see that this 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 another angel having this golden censer comes and stood at the altar and with much incense offers that with the prayers of the saints. Have you ever felt like? Have you ever wondered? Um, are my prayers getting through? Anybody ever wondered that? You, you, you know, sometimes I, I, you know, I think it always goes back. I'm convinced it's us. It's not the Lord. It, it, it's us. There's something going on in us a lot of times when, when, or, or maybe all the time when we, when we, when we feel those times of dryness. In our, it's not that the Lord ever leaves us or abandons us. There's something going on with us. And, and there's some times where there's a dryness, and we just have to be diligent to continue to pray. But we see right here the prayers of all the saints are being offered up with this incense right here at the altar that is right there in God's presence. And I don't, I don't pretend to know what that, that means. Does that mean every prayer by every believer that's ever been prayed for all time is, is a part of that? It very well could be. It could be there are specific prayers there. But I know this, those prayers, the prayers of all the saints. So all the saints would include us tonight. That says our prayers go before the Lord. And he, he hears our prayers. And I believe he hears, them, he hears them when we pray them. But they're also there at this time, that this future history that we're reading. I mean, it's what this is, right? We're reading future history. There'll be a time when this will not be prophecy. It'll be history. And uh, but those all those prayers are gonna are gonna go up. So the answer to that question is this: Does he hear our prayers? Absolutely, Amen. absolutely. Every prayer, every prayer we ever pray, he hears those. Verse fourteen, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound in the great river Euphrates. And you remember back in chapter seven, we saw in chapter seven that they were they were they were um, they were bound. They were hindered. Go back to just flip back to chapter 7. We'll read the first three verses right there. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Then I saw another angel. Remember, we talked about this being the fifth angel. It wasn't one of the four. It was a fifth angel, Here, another angel ascending from the east having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God on their foreheads. So they have been hindered. Those four angels have been hindered. And we see again here, so these four angels and... Um, they they they're uh, they've been restrained by command, and here we see the four angels. And some would some would say that uh, I read this in, in preparation that they were undoubtedly fallen angels. That I'm not I'm not completely sure. I'm not gonna um, I, I'm not gonna tell you that those are not angels sent by God. That they're they're uh, I'm not gonna tell you that I believe that they're fallen angels. I'm not sure what they are. I think it would be very clear for the scripture not to not call them an angel. If they were fallen, I don't see in Scripture fallen angels being called angels, so I'm not sure. But they're commanded, there's a command here that they be released. And so that's what's going on here in verse 14. And so the Euphrates River is, is this, great, this great river Euphrates. They're bound at that great river. And there's some Scriptures you can go back. I should have wrote, wrote those references down, but there's some references we see in Scripture where, where uh, these fallen angels are bound, they are held and uh, there's going to be a day they'll be released, and, and this may be part of that. But the Euphrates River has always held a, a notable place in history. It, 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 you know, it flowed from Eden, and so when we look at the very beginning of our history, we, we see, the, guard, uh, we see the, the river Euphrates, and it's going to figure in the events that will be the climax of history. If you look over in chapter 16, verse 12, you can read there. You're going to see Euphrates is, is right in the midst of all that. Babylon is right there. And uh, it's situated there on the, on the Euphrates River. You, you see there in Revelation 17 and 18 with the uprising of Babylon, the, the coming, basically the phoenix, as it comes back up into a, a position of great power. And we studied that months ago as we got started in this, looking at Babylon and, and its place in future, in future uh, to come. So the Euphrates River is right there. It's an important part of so much of what's going on, that whole area right there of the Promised Land, the Holy Land of Israel, and all the way over to the Euphrates, which is really the boundary of what will be Israel. That is the rightful land that was given all the way over to the Euphrates. So uh, all of that is a part of, of rightful property of Israel. Fifteen, Verse 15, so the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now, uh, again, there's different takes on really almost everything you read in Revelation. You're going to find somebody who has a different take from somebody else. One of the takes on that right there is that these, these four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year... One guy suggested that that indicated that their, his word was ministry, and I don't know if I would use the word ministry in that, but if it's carrying out God's will, then it would be ministry. But their work of handing out this judgment that is coming would take place over 13 months and one day. Really, if you looked at it right, you'd say 13 months, one day, and one hour and that that God had set the exact time period, the time length that that would be. Others uh, more often speculate this. They say that these angels uh, being prepared for precisely, or had been prepared for this precise moment, because it, it it was to the hour and the day and the month and the year. God had prepared that ahead of time. Now, we know that. We know that. God, God we don't know. He's revealed this, so much of this stuff to us, but we don't have it on a calendar. The Lord knows the exact moment. And it was, it's all been orchestrated. So it points, it stresses with, with the hour and the day and the month and the year. It points to God's m- meticulous sovereignty, that He is absolutely in control. And God has ne- left nothing to chance. Amen? Uh, these events are depicted as taking place exactly when God has appointed them to take place. That's what he's saying. It, it, it's not that this, it, at some point this will happen. And it, and it could be that that spells out 13 months and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and another uh, day and another hour. It could, it could absolutely. It could be both of those things. But it definitely, I think, it definitely points to the fact that the Lord has says, right at this moment, right here, this this hour, of this day, of this month, of this year, that's when, that's when that is going to take place. And we don't know when that is, but the Lord does. Folks, we as believers, as, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, I, you know, I want to encourage you as, you as we talk about that right there, knowing that God is sovereign. He is in control of those things. We're in a time right now, and even, even as we were talking about praying for our leaders, and we need to do that. We're in a time that if we are not careful, we'll get caught up in the discouragement of the rest of the world. We'll we'll be like them. You know, we we should be, when we talk about we grieve, it's not that we don't grieve as believers. When we lose a loved one, the Bible doesn't say, Christian, you don't grieve. It's not what the scriptures say. What do the scriptures say? We grieve Right, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. We don't grieve as, as, as the lost world out there grieves because they, they think that's it. You know, this whole thing, this whole, I'm going to sidetrack here. This whole thing with, with COVID and the vaccine and the masks and all of that foolishness that went on, that we're looking back now and we're seeing the, the foolishness of, of so much of that being pushed and just, I mean, the, ty- the, 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 the tyranny, of wanting to force people, you know, it's my body, my choice until you start talking about sticking something in my arm that I don't want to take, right? You, you start seeing this, the tyranny of these things. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, wow. Miss Linda, we were talking earlier today and she said, I had a thought and the train jumped the tracks and I said, what well, happens to me all the time? getting older. I'm getting older. Uh, I was going somewhere with that. We were talking about grief from the- those who who we oh 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 thank you. We as we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Now listen, we watch people absolutely lose their mind if somebody wasn't wearing a mask. Okay, and I ain't trying to. I, y'all know me. I mean, I I can be political. I'm not trying to be political right here. I I I we've said all along facts, faith and facts over fear. We're not going to live in fear. We're going to look at we're going to walk by faith, we're going to walk in facts. We're not going to walk in fear. But here's here's the mentality of this. The people who are out there absolutely losing their minds, they don't believe in eternity or they don't believe in God. They don't have a relationship with Christ. We don't grieve as those who have no hope. We don't fear. As those who have no hope. Right? We don't fear that way. But if you think about it, someone who believes all I have is this life, if that's what they believe, they're scared, they're absolutely scared to death. And, And if you can jab me with something and it'll keep me from getting sick, then they're gonna do that. They're gonna do that because there's a fear. And, and, and if I put my mask on, you should... Well, if your mask works, why do I have to wear one, okay? I, it, all right, now I'm getting political. All right. But yours doesn't work, and mine's not going to help either. All right, so... But, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope, but we don't live in fear as those who have no hope. Our mentality should be different. We don't, we don't get distressed as those who have no hope, Okay? My, my 401k is now a 201k, okay? It, it, it ain't doing real good. But you know what I'm not going to do? God knows the hour, the day, the month, and the year. And if he's sovereign over that, you know what he's also sovereign over? My 401k. And he may be saying, hey, look, bonehead, you're not going to need it anyway. If somebody else is going to spend it. Somebody else is going to have it. Uh, we're going to get you. We're going to rapture you out of here. Y'all aren't going. I, I don't. I don't know. I'm trying to be smart. I'm trying to prepare. I, 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 you know, right now I'm going to be eating a lot of rice in retirement. That's if, if, if I ever get there. It's going to be rice and beans. But I'm working toward getting to beanie weenies. A little meat in there, you know. Working on that. But here, here's the deal. We don't. We don't stress this, right? We shouldn't. If if we believe. That God is sovereign and God is sovereign. Then He's sovereign over everything in my life. He knows what's going on in my life. Now, I still live by biblical principles. I should still do the things Scripture tells me to do. I should prepare for the future, but I don't hoard and 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 you know, I don't go to the grocery store and buy fifteen cases of toilet paper and so that y'all don't have any. You know, we we shouldn't live that way. But we, we we live scripturally. We live by the book. And it's not just that we live saying we believe the book. We live by what the book teaches. Amen? That's what we should be doing. Um, so whatever uncertainties there are, they're not for us. I mean, I'm not going to let that... I'm not going to live in fear of that. And I'll be honest, there's times where you know, my, my 401k at the, at the start of the year was a 402, 3k, you know? Then it, then it dropped back down. And there's times you look at that and you go, oh, man. But I'm just, then you got to refocus, Thomas, right? You got to refocus and go back. God's in control of this. I'm not going to sweat these things. I'm not going to sweat the stuff that doesn't matter. Um, Georgia won a big football game Saturday. They did. They won big. They won big. It would not be an overreaction to say they ought to be the number one team in the country. But I digress. Um, I, I love it because Georgia, Georgia will lose, and everybody gives me grief when they lose. Listen, I grew up being a Georgia fan, so I've been—I'm used to losing. That doesn't bother me a bit. But here's what I can tell you: it's a ball game. Ain't nobody going to heaven. And ain't nobody going to hell based on a football game. So it's just a football game. And there are folks that just take that so serious. They get so caught up in that. I don't. I'm not going to. I'm going to enjoy it. I I love to watch college football. I enjoy it. But my life don't revolve around that. And if Georgia gets beat Saturday by this little old podunk team they're playing, if they get beat, I'm not going to come in here going, Oh, it's so bad. I'm going to go, ha, it doesn't matter because it's a football game. Amen? amen? So we need to respond to these things in the ways that reflect our knowledge that God is in total control. Everything in our life. If we lose our job, amen, God's in control. If you lose your job because you take a stand because of your convictions, God's in control. Stand for what is right. Stand for the Lord. Let Him fight your battles. Amen? So we need to trust Him. And we need to trust Him in a way that shows we believe He's sovereign and He's in control. If we panic, and if we get all upset about everything going on in the world right now, I mean, is there anything out there where we can go, boy, that part of the world is just, that's, that's really working great right now. Maybe, maybe... Um, Maybe the gospel going forward. Because what we don't see is the gospel is going forward. And God is working in, our, in this world. He is working. And He is bringing people to faith in, 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 to faith in Him. Um, but folks, as, as we go out, we need to model that we believe that. And we live by that. Amen? Live like, let's live like we believe it has a plan that will be accomplished. Because, folks, he has a plan that will be accomplished. We don't, we, don't, we don't know. That's why we're studying this. There's a lot that we don't know about even what's coming. But we do know a lot of things, and we know that he has a plan, and his plan will be accomplished. Uh, it's the old, uh, how many of you have ever heard the cathedrals? I mean, y- that's it? Five of you? The cathedrals. You ever heard the Southern Gospel group, the cathedrals? You've heard them? They, I think they had a, a song that was, uh, that I read the back of the book and we win. That's the song. I read the back of the book and we win. That's all you get. Um, so let's be confident of that. Let's be confident uh, that he, he has sealed us. See, if you have a relationship, personal relationship with Christ, and you've been sealed by His Holy Spirit. You've been sealed. And, and so we're protected from His wrath. He is our shepherd. He will care for us better than than, than money ever could. You can have all the money. You can have, you can have, you can have Jeff Bezos money, and it ain't going to do you a bit of good when, when it really hits the fan. Amen? Amen? I wouldn't trade places with those guys for anything, for all their money. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. So let, let's live out. Let's live that that way. Let's model that for those around us. You, you want to talk about a powerful testimony. Talk about living different. When we live different in that way, in the confidence that we have in Christ, that's, that's powerful. Amen? 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 Amen. All right. So we see here these, these four angels. And they're released. And it's their task to slay one-third of the earth's population. Now, if we go back to chapter 6, verse 8, we read this. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was Death. And Hades followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beast of the earth. Um, so we see in Revelation 6-8 here, the pale horse, one-fourth of the people were slain, right? So we talked about today's population. Now, we don't know, we don't know when the, when the, the rapture is going to come. We don't know what the world population is going to be at this point. But right now, we're just under 8 billion people on the face of the earth. It's about 7, almost 7.9-something we're we're quickly approaching eight billion people. So at today's numbers, then in six eight there, when death came, there was a fourth of them slain. That's two billion people, right? Two billion people gone. We're down to six billion on the earth uh, that left three fourths for the judgment to come. And then then these angels had destroyed another third. So that would have been another two billion people. So we're now at four, we're down to four billion people that are alive on the face of the earth at this point. Uh, So half of the world's population in today's numbers. Folks, think about that. Four billion people. Now, as I was, as I was studying this Monday, and then I think it hit me today as I was reading back through this, um... I, I don't know how, when you read, I talk about reading in color, right? I talk about reading in color. Sometimes we read, and, I, and even I, I read it, and I'm going through it, and I don't read in color. I get away, for some reason I get away from that. And some reason I get into Revelation, and I start thinking about these future things, and I don't see it the way I would see something else. Folks, it's going to be the same. What's going on right there? It's our world, as it is today, with these things going on. Uh, if a plane crashed today, we see the footage. We see a plane on the ground and the fire, and we see those things. We see that it's, it's going to be. That's what it's going to be. I mean, the news, the news reports are going to be about if it's a nuclear bomb or if it's whatever it is that God brings. If it's a if it's a meteor that hits the earth, an asteroid that hits the earth, and, and it kills, and there's we're talking about billions of people. It's not. It's not a. A, 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 a million or three million or five million. We talked about a hundred million people that died in the, in the last uh, century from war. A hundred million people. That seems, it's hard for us to even get our minds wrapped around. We're not talking about a million or a hundred million. We're talking about half of, of the world's population. Four billion people. Now, how many hundred million is that? Is that twenty? Is that forty? So that's 40 hundred millions. 100 million people, 40 times. So, when you're talking about 8 billion, you're talking about 8 billion unsaved? People? I'm talking about 8 billion is the population of the earth. Okay, so how many of us will go up during the wretched? Well, that, 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 we don't know. Yeah, the ones that are saved will, yeah. I don't know. We don't. We don't know what that number will be, but whatever's left, whatever's left, and I'm just throwing out the numbers of today's. That's a great point because the the believers of t- the believers will be gone. So h- however many that is, yeah, <laughs> they're not going to be. A, they're not going to be much fun at all. That, that, look, that's why, that's, why it, that's why studying this is important. And understanding, again, I'll say it, the motivation as we study this for us, because I'm telling you, I've, I'm fully convinced we're going to be raptured out of here. We're not going to be here for, for the tribulation. We're going to be gone. But I don't want anybody I know to be here. And I don't want our friend Ed to be here. I don't want Larry, Gina's stepdad to be here. I don't want, I don't want my friends from high school that I met with this Excuse me. A couple of weeks ago, I don't. I don't want those guys to be here for that. Um, this should motivate us. And, and, and again, this is real. This is going to happen. And that that should that should stir our hearts and, and motivate us to to witness to those around us. Tell those people around us that that about Jesus. About your, to your Muslim friend. I love that. That. You know, you're going to have to be very intentional now with how to connect with her. But praying that she will, will trust Christ and she's not left behind. Okay? But you got to see it. you got to see it in color. you got to, you got to imagine that, you know, they're, the, can you imagine the fear worldwide? Two billion people were already dead. Now this, this, this event here happens and there's another two billion that are dead. Half the earth's population in just a short period of time. Are gone. Verse sixteen. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was two hundred million. I heard the number of them. And some of your uh, verses, some of your translations, may say what is it, uh, it? Gives thousands of thousands, and you just multiply it out, and you have two two hundred million. He said, and John said, I heard the number. Uh, now here's what happens sometimes with this verse right here. When they when they see this number, they jump over to chapter sixteen and they want to equate this with Armageddon. Now, this is not Armageddon. I'll just say that up front. So the campaign in chapter 16 is the Battle of Armageddon, and it's plainly stated that it is. The chief uh, feature of that battle is the involvement of the hordes of the Far East. Here in chapter 9, there is no reference to the kings of the East, nor to Armageddon. There there, There is another battle. This is another battle altogether. This is not the Battle of Armageddon. This is not that final battle but this battle is won, it's only slightly less important. And so we've already, we've not studied this in, 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 since we started Revelation, but we have studied a battle that, or a situation that, that may, be, may be what this is. Anybody remember what we had talked about back earlier before we got into Revelation. Anybody remember? Gog and Magog, right, Brent, Gog and Magog. And and it goes back to when we were we were doing some preface work on some of this stuff, and we can go back to that at this point. When you look at Ezekiel 38, uh, 30, 38 and 39, 30, I think it's 30, you go back to 37 too, but 38 and 39. But we talked about Russia, and one of the signs of the times of Russia so 2,500 years ago, God inspired Ezekiel and he wrote about Russia's power in the end times. Now, you, you go back just a few years and we look at Russia. There was a time where Russia almost seemed irrelevant. After the fall of, of, of the Soviet Union, it wasn't the fall of communism, it was still there. But, but when you saw the fall of the Soviet Union, that came down in, what, 89? That that fell apart? And Russia, as a country, was—I mean, they were—they still had nuclear power. They still had military power. They didn't have any money. They were—they were really in a, a danger, really in a bad place as a as a nation. But we look at them now, and we see them different. Now they still may not be in great financial situation, but we know from from what we know of Scripture, they're going to make a, a rise again in the end times, and they're going to be re- very very relevant. And we look at this Russian aggression. And there's in, in Ezekiel38 uh, uh, chapter 38 and 39, we see where they come against Israel. And when you're talking about 200 million soldiers, do, do you find that hard to put your mind around that many, too many that many soldiers? It could be, but they may not. The, the point was that the number of the 200 million may not be that they're all on the battlefield. And it may not be that there; it could be a total of all the, the militaries combined. And if we go back to looking at that, when we talked about Russia and the coalition that would be put together of, of, of Gog there, and that, that Russian alliance and the nations that are listed in Ezekiel, uh, if we go through those, we have uh, Magog, which, which some would say is the homeland of the Stan's, where, where they Magog went and, and settled around the Caspian Sea and the Dead Sea. And so you have Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan and Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan and Tajikistan and even Afghanistan. All of those are part, except for Afghanistan, are part of the former Soviet Union. Uh, the Soviet Union never conquered Afghanistan. But all of those countries make up that area. And, and according to Ezekiel 38 and 39, it may be a part of this. Then you had Meshach and Tubal, which is Moscow, and uh, Tobolsk, which is another uh, city there in in Russia. You had Persia, which talked about being, the name was changed to Iran. You start talking about these nations, uh, Ethiopia, which is now Sudan, Libya, Gomer, which some speculate is uh, Germany, uh, Togarma. In Genesis three ten speaks of, of, of Togarma. Um, that may be Turkey, modern day Turkey, that area. So you talk about all of these nations now banding together, and you talk about the military might of all of them collectively, and then all that they're against. You know, if you if you took World War II and you took all of the powers on both sides and told up, there's a lot of numbers. A lot, a lot of soldiers. So it could be very well that's the case. But if you remember this, Russia attacks Israel thinking they're going to take their wealth. Israel at that time is defenseless. They've lowered their, their, their arms, which would indicate a time where there's peace that's been promised to them, which is what we see in the tribulation when the, when the beast promises peace, protection, and, there's, and it's provided they've laid down their arms and then Russia comes against them. And, and that force is invading and it seems absolutely hopeless. And what does God do? God works just miraculous and brings judgment on them. And it's another miraculous victory. We've talked about, we talked about I, I remember as we were studying this, looking at the, some, of the, the, some of the times in history when uh, they, were, they were protected. I think about the Six-Day War. You know, you do not want to be on the side going against Israel. You just don't. You don't want to go against them. But God works a supernatural thing there, and Russia is annihilated. I mean, it says they even go back, and their homeland is, is in disarray. Perhaps there's been nuclear bombs that have gone off. Whatever. There's, the aftermath is just unbelievable. The dead, the number of dead. And, and in there we looked at it. It was seven months Seven months for Israel uh, to bury all the dead and to cleanse the land. Seven months. So that may be the battle that we're looking at right here with these 200 200 million uh, soldiers. Verse 17. Let's see. Okay, verse 17. And thus I saw the horses in the vision... Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. Now, I'm not going to speculate. I don't know what the fire and the smoke and the brimstone are. Could it be, it could be military might? It could be, as the word that's used here, plagues, which is, it, it, there's several words for plague. It could be a strike. It could be uh, the turmoil that's going on. But there, these three things, this, verse 18, by these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents having heads and with them they do harm. Now this is an army. And I mean, Brent, I see the look on your face is like, what, what are we looking at here? Uh, I don't know what we're looking at here. I, I don't, I, I, and, and I don't read a whole lot of folks really speculating. Some would speculate about it being some type of a military warfare type of thing. Uh, but, it's, it, but it's an army, and it may be a demonic army. But there's an army here. Maybe it is the Russian army. But there's, there's this description of the fire and the smoke and the brimstone. Again, we talked about the, the, the battle with Russia. There's, there's that battle that's going on right there in Russia. That doesn't, that doesn't e- explain... 2 billion people worldwide dying right there. So there's more to it than just that battle that we see in Ezekiel 38 and 39. So there's other things that are going on. And the scriptures use the word plague. And we understand plague. We understand that maybe more now than we ever have in our lifetime. But through fire and smoke and brimstone, whatever those are, this army, there's 2 billion people that will die as a result of that. Now... Patrick, when you talked last week, you talked about the, the, in the first verses here, those first verses, looking at the locust that came out, right? Y'all were looking at the locust. So there's a movement. If you, if you look in Deuteronomy 28, there was a plague of locusts. Then when you, you get to verse, uh, uh, that's in verse 38. Then when you, in, in Deuteronomy 28, verse 38, you see a plague of locusts. And then you read in verses 49 through 68, you see of a human army. That fight. So there's a a picture there of the locust that come preceding an army. It's almost like God given a vision of that beforehand. The same thing seems to happen in Joel, where the locust come in Joel chapter 1, and then Joel chapter 2 describes an army that comes. So these judgments are a type of what happens here in Revelation 9. When we saw the locust in 9, chapter 9, verses 3 through 11, and now we see an army in verses 13 through 19. There's an army here where we saw the locust before. Um, so once released, these angels bring into battle armies of horsemen totaling 200 million soldiers. And this satanic cavalry is not like any other, either in appearance or in the weapons it uses. Again, fire, brimstone, and smoke are their, their chief weapons. They're also... Have serpent-like tails, and so the the fact is they're battling, and the front of these this army is bringing death. But it's not just a matter of death because whatever this is behind them, their tails, whatever this is, is is tormenting everybody else. It's a it's a it's a horrible situation uh And so what we find here in, in in thirteen through nineteen that this is not another description of the army discussed there in verses one through twelve and i'm sure Patrick went over this they were they, they weren't allowed to do what they weren't allowed to kill so they're, 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 they were tormenting and they were tormenting for, for, for those months and that, that went on they were tormenting but they were not allowed to kill but also an interesting is locust what do locusts normally attack? Plants, plants. trees, I- anything. Yeah, they're, they're eating. They're going to just devour everything. What did they not touch? The plants. They tormented men. They tormented mankind. And so this army is, is commissioned to slay one-third of mankind, and this is one way that God will answer the prayers of the martyrs in uh, chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. All right, now here's what I want to do. I'm going to stop right there. And I wanna, I'm going to wrap up those last, those last part of that verse next week. But here's what I want to do tonight. I just I feel like we need to do this. So we haven't done this in a while. I want us to have some time of prayer together. And... Uh,